tres, cuatro. From WBEZ Chicago and PRX, this is Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. And I'm Jim DeRogatis. With Halloween just around the corner, we'll round up some of our favorite haunting songs. From Lupe Fiasco to The Cure, we've got a playlist to leave you terrified. Footsteps follow close behind, but she dare not turn around. Plus, we review the debut album from Greta Van Fleet, a band who sounds like it's dressing up as Led Zeppelin for Halloween. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, and a bit later in the show, we're going to review the much-anticipated debut album from Greta Van Fleet. But first, it's time for our annual batch of scary songs in honor of Halloween. Greg Cott's favorite show of the year. This is one of your big holidays, I know. Many people love it, right? And everything goes better with music. So, several times we have chosen some of our favorite scary songs from throughout rock history to play while those trick-or-treaters are ringing the bell or you're having your Halloween party or just generally want to get creeped out in the spirit of the season, right? It is by a request from our listeners, Jim. I think our most popular show or second most popular, maybe behind the Andy Surzan Christmas special, but people love scary songs, and there are a ton of them. We're going to get to a bunch more today. You get to go first. All right, Jim, I've got a perfect lead-off song for us. It's from the band The Cure from their UK debut album from 1979, Three Imaginary Boys. And it is a song that I think typifies this whole notion of the theater of imagination. You talk about this a lot in movies where a guy like Alfred Hitchcock was terrific at building suspense and building anticipation. He wouldn't show you what is happening, but what might happen, and planting these seeds of doubt in the viewer's mind about what is about to happen to these characters. And I think this Cure song, Subway song, does that perfectly. Basically only eight lines of verse, a great ominous bass line in this song, these little terse finger snaps about midway through, and then a surprise ending. I'm not going to give away completely, but just be on notice that something terrible is going to happen to this person that is depicted coming home late at night on a subway train. We've all been there. We've all heard the footsteps in the back of us wondering, hmm, is that somebody following me? Am I the only person in here or am I being stalked <laughs> by someone? So the anticipation is, is really nicely played out in the song. It is a horrific Halloween song, The Cure's Subway Song on Sound Opinions. She's on her way home She tries hard not to run But she feels she's not alone Echoes of 
footsteps follow close behind, but she dare not turn around. Turn around. Turn around. Wow, I still jump out of my seat when I hear that part of the song. It'll be playing in the background, and I'm just like, I'll jump out of my chair when I hear it. It's scary, but I tell you what's scarier is Robert Smith. <laughs> you know, just the whole the whole outfit, the makeup, the whole thing. Yeah, this was kind of like the pre-makeup Robert Smith, but his head was definitely in a dark place when he wrote Subway Song. That's The Cure from 1979. All right, Jim, what have you got for a great Halloween song? Well, Greg, your reserve of scary rock songs is seemingly uh, boundless, but, you know, we've done this show a bunch of times, and I wanted to not be so obvious and I wanted to kind of take some left turns today. So I turned to some of our listeners for some inspiration. Some I chose myself. Some came in via email. People were, were people are gonzo about this show. They mm-hmm. just were giving us great suggestions. Kevin in Evergreen Park out here in Illinois, he said, one of my favorite songs, Spooky or Not, is Ghost Town by The Specials. From the ghoulish moans to the high-pitched wails, from the scary image painted of empty streets and closed-down clubs to the singles cover artwork of skeletons playing the piano. He loves the creepy vibe of this song. He does note, in, in a joking manner, that even scarier was that No Doubt once covered it. But <laughs> we're going to the original version by The Specials. When Ghost Town came out in 1981, it was talking about shuttered streets, unemployment, urban unrest on the streets of London. It was a heavy time. And there were riots that erupted just as this song was coming out and making to the top of the chart. And I think that's the scary thing about this song. A city losing its soul. A city in an uproar. Here it is by the specials Ghost Town on Sound Opinions. This
Ghost Town by the specials on Sound Opinions, one of our scary picks for this Halloween. Mr. Cott, you're next. What do you got to chill us? Good one, Jim. One of the scariest aspects of this song is the fact that the singer, Scott Walker, once used to be in a group called the Walker Brothers singing music that was completely unlike what I'm about to play. The Walker Brothers had a huge hit in the 60s called The Sun Ain't Gonna Shine Anymore. You can YouTube it and find out what that's all about. And play that song and then play this next one that I'm about to uh, lay on you. And you'll go, that's the same guy? Scott Walker using that plush baritone crooner's voice in a more sinister fashion on this song. It's from his 2006 album called The Drift. And in this song, he starts out with this kind of this post 9-11 scenario. And then it morphs into this meditation on Elvis Presley in the womb of his mother lying next to his dead twin, Jesse. People don't realize this, but maybe that Elvis Presley did actually have a twin who was stillborn. And he's imagining this conversation. It's actually a one-way conversation. Elvis talking to this, this dead person lying next to him in the womb. And just that scenario alone creeps me out. Yeah, that's quite a start. But then he plays it out, and you'll hear what happens next. But basically, it's it's a pretty existential piece of pop music, if you can call it pop music. It's more leaning on experimental and classical music, but it is among the darkest narratives I've ever seen in a pop song. Scott Walker with Jesse on Sound Opinions. Famine is a tall, tall town A building left in the night Jesse, are you listening? It casts its ruins and shadows Under Memphis moonlight Jesse, are you listening? In the dream I am crawling around on my hands and knees Smoothing out the prairie All the dents and the gouges And the winds dying down I lower my head Press my ear to the prairie Alive I'm the only one left alive I'm the only one left alive I'm the only one left alive Alive I'm the only one left alive I'm the only one left alive 
Yikes. Scott Walker with Jesse on Sound Opinions. Mr. Cott, you are a sick man. When we do these shows, we love to turn to Sound Opinions listeners. Uh, Everybody's a critic and get their opinions about great songs. First up, we have Nicole from Naperville, Illinois. Hi, Nicole. You're on Sound Opinions. Hi. What song have you picked out for Halloween? Well, my pick is Death on Two Legs by Queen. And I went with that song because it used to scare me when I was little, when my mom would play it. She's a pretty big Queen fan, and that song used to terrify me. Well, generally speaking, Queen is a pretty nice band. <laughs> you know, Freddie Mercury, nice guy. Yeah, that's that's how I felt listening to the song when I was younger. It's kind of like, Freddie, is that you? You know, you're so angry. I want to get at why your mother would play this song for you. I mean, was it this song specifically? Was she trying to terrify you? or No. <laughs> no, she was just a big Queen fan, and we listened to Night at the Opera a lot. And as I got a little older in elementary school, my parents would let me take their tapes and play them on my own little, little kid player. I would take Night at the Opera, but I would always fast forward through Death on Two Legs. Kiss my ass goodbye. I could see where the theater of the imagination in the mind could go a little nuts uh, listening to that song. The chanting kind of scared me. <laughs> it kind of sounds like ghosts when they say ah. Mm hmm. And, you know, do you feel like suicide? I think you should. Ooh. Uh, really angry. No parental warning stickers on those records either. <laughs> I mean, they were just free-for-alls as far as uh, young kids' imaginations were concerned. Well, you survived, Nicole, and we're glad you were able to talk to us about it today. Thanks for being on Sound Opinions. Thanks. Okay, let's go now to David in Cleveland. David, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you guys? We're good. We're getting in the mood for Halloween. What song do you want to nominate? Uh, Killing Game by Skinny Puppy. That's a natural for Halloween. When I heard the show last year, I thought, uh, i got to get Skinny Puppy somehow. I think with this song, it's the piano. They don't have a lot of piano in their songs. And, you know, right at the start, they have that repeated single piano note. And for me, just that first seven seconds, you could stop it right there, and I'm already sort of spooked out. Oh, 
that's bringing back memories. Killing Game by Skinny Puppy. I used to traffic a lot of at times in the uh, Wax Tracks record store in Chicago, David, and they would play this kind of music, gothic, industrial. I hear you about the, the, the spooky part. And they also had a band member named Ogre, as I recall. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, how old were you when you first heard this? Uh, probably but it would have been around 20. I actually got into Skinny Puppy, probably the album before, Too Dark Park, which would have been about 89, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all good rock and roll stories have to involve a girl, right? So ah. that album was actually, it, it was a girl that I was madly in love with in early college. And she had the album, and she played it for me. And I just remember that song, like I said, that piano. The second I heard it, I was like, okay, everybody shut up. I want to hear this. Mm-hmm. Were you trying to, like, do the goth thing to make her happy? <laughs> you know, what's funny is back then when we were living it, we didn't know what goth was. I guess in hindsight I was. I had the black eyeliner and black nails. Does it hold up for you now? Skinny Puppy is one of the few bands that I have kept up with, and they have yet to disappoint me. No more eyeliner, but the music still holds up. Yeah, exactly. David, thanks for calling from Cleveland. Thank you. That's Skinny Puppy with The Killing Game, a really scary selection from our listener, David. And we want to hear from you. What songs give you the creeps? Call and leave a message on our hotline at 888-859-1800. Or connect with us on Facebook or Twitter. After a break, more of our scary song choices. That's In a Minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis, and this is our annual Halloween special. We've been hearing from some of our listeners about some of their scariest songs of all time, and Jim and I are going back and forth with some of our selections, and uh, right now it's Jim's turn. Greg, I'm going to throw another one to another dedicated listener who wrote in with a killer suggestion. One that was so good made me go instantly, Oh! How come <laughs> I never thought of it before? Shelby Peterson from Chicago said... Hard choice, but I have to go with Pirate Jenny by Nina Simone. Her voice has a haunting cast to it, and when she gasps out near the end, that'll learn you. It sends shivers down my spine. Shelby is absolutely right. Eunice Wayman, Nina Simone's real name, is singing a song by Bertolt Breck and Kurt Vile from Three Penny Opera. If I look at it as just the tune that those guys wrote, Pirate Jenny is about a woman who was perhaps captured by one ship, and then the pirates that she was part of are coming to rescue her, the black ship on the horizon, and these people who've been mistreating her, making her scrub the decks, and who knows what else are going to get theirs. The way Nina Simone plays it, now she was a civil rights activist, she changes a very few words and does it skillfully. It's suddenly a southern hotel. Mm -hmm. that she is cleaning and she's being mistreated by the white patrons in a racist society and the black ship suddenly becomes something else it's it's going to become justice when society is equalized you're going to get yours and you know the anger in her voice is amazing but it's so subtly underplayed that that's what's creepy about it a powerful tune a scary tune pirate jenny by nina simone on sound opinions 
watch while I'm scrubbing these floors and I'm scrubbing the floors while you're gawking. Maybe once you tip me and it makes you feel swell in this crummy southern town, in this crummy old hotel, but you'll never guess to who you're talking. No, you couldn't ever guess to who you're talking. Then one night there's a scream in the night and you wonder who could that have been? And you see me kind of grinning while I'm scrubbing. And you say, what she got to grin? I'll tell you, there's a ship, the black freighter with a skull on its masthead will be coming in. them floors. Get upstairs. What's wrong with you? Earn your keep here. You toss me your tips and look out to the ships. But I'm counting your heads as I'm making the beds. Because there's nobody going to sleep here. Tonight, nobody's going to sleep here, honey. Nobody. And you say, who's that kicking up around? And you see me kind of staring out the window. And you say, what's she got to stare at now? I'll tell you, there's a ship. The Black Freighter. around in the harbor shooting guns from her bow Pirate Jenny from Nina Simone from Jim DeRogatis, one of his great Halloween songs of all time. I love that choice, Jim, and it ties in uh, really nicely with uh, what I'm going to play next. That sort of macro view of the world, the sense of evil in the world. Lupe Fiasco addressed that on his song, Put You On Game, from his 2007 album, The Cool. It was a concept album about this title character and the choices he has to make in this world uh, fraught with evil. I mean, Lupe was coming off a really hard time in his life when he made this album. His father and a good friend had just died. His longtime manager had just gone to prison. So he's investigating this topic of, you know, temptation, evil, sinister forces at work in the world. The narrator in this song is a really creepy character. The guy runs this place, and we're talking about from the White House to the Crack House, and you have those, those violins kind of escalating in the background, the crack of gunshots. You've got this ominous chant, let me put you on game. The game is this hustle, the, you know, the pimp game, the con game, the gangster game. And the song just keeps escalating intensity until the very end when Lupe almost reveals his identity or the identity of the narrator in this song. He doesn't really tell you who it is because the song cuts off just in time, but you can guess. I mean, this is sympathy for the devil. This is the Rolling Stones said, mm. you know, everywhere there's some mayhem happening, I'm the guy at the heart of it all. Lupe Fiasco puts you on game on Sound Opinions. 
Another fine Halloween choice, Put You on Game by Lupe Fiasco. Nice one, Greg. I uh, am, I've got nobody to blame except myself for this one. And you may scoff initially at this choice, but I'm going with 10 cc's I'm Not in Love. What's creepy about it? For one thing, the production. Kevin Godley and Lal Cream, the driving forces in this early 70s English rock band, are now much better known as an award-winning video production team. Back then, they were just as inventive in the recording studio. This initially started out as a falling out of love song with a bossa nova beat. Nothing too extraordinary. They decided to take out the drums and to build a wall of rhythm from voices. The four members of the band each sang one note and then overdubbed it and overdubbed it and overdubbed it until there were 256 voices (laughs) singing the same note, which gives this kind of throbbing sensation. It seems pretty at first, but it gets creepier as the song goes on. Then they really dropped the bomb with this. Apparently they turned to the studio's receptionist and had her give that spoken word intro in the middle. Big voice, don't cry. Big voice. It's just creepy. He's saying he's not in love. I don't think he's going to be breathing much longer either. It's kind of in the spirit of that uh, song Timothy that you did a couple of years ago, which was actually about cannibalism. Nice little pop song about cannibalism. That's what 10 CC's I'm Not In Love is for me. Here it is on Sound Opinions.
just a silly phase I'm going through And just because I call you up Don't get me wrong Don't think you got it made I'm not in love No, no I'm Not In Love from 10CC. Uh, interesting choice, Jim. I wouldn't have thought of that as a scary Halloween song, but uh, I could see the uh, the sinister undertow there. It's the big boys don't cry part. <laughs> it's just really horrifying. All right, we're going to go to some more of our guest critics for their choices. Frank is from Philadelphia. Welcome to Sound Opinions, Frank. Hey, thanks for having me. So we're talking about spooky tunes for this season. What are you going to choose? Uh, for me, it's Cotton Crown by Sonic Youth. Sonic Youth has a number of songs that might qualify for this. Why that one in particular? Um, because it's a love song, and it just when you listen to it, it just sounds scary. The way they sing it, and the way the guitars are like just like chiming and groaning, and yeah. I mean, when, when it came out, I was in college, and to me, love was you know the scariest thing I could think of at the time. <laughs> like it was totally alien to me. So you heard that song back in the day when love was a new thing for you, and uh, this this turned you off on the whole concept, I take it, right, Frank? (laughs) (laughs) I think more that it connected with what I was already feeling, and like no love songs really expressed quite what I was feeling, and then that one did. Thanks for your input, Frank. Oh, thanks for having me. Okay, Greg, we've got one final listener on the line. Stacy is in Garner, North Carolina. Stacy, are you there? 
Yes, I am. Great. Tell us about your favorite song for Halloween. Well, it's not uh, definitely a traditional Halloween song, and it doesn't have a lot of traditional Halloween content, but it's Deep Red Bells by Nico Case. And she has said in interviews that it's sort of a reflection of how she felt growing up in Washington State while the Green River Killer was active. So um, it's kind of a murder song, and uh, that seems kind of spooky to me. She does have that sinister streak under her. That she, you, know, you just know she likes horror movies and horror novels, and she likes scaring people. Yes. And why this song in particular? It's the spookiness of her voice, which is the reason I'm such a big fan of hers. But um, just sort of the imagery in this song, she kind of engages all five senses with it. There's a line about a handprint on the driver's side, and there's, uh, of course, the sound of the deep red bells. But the thing that really gets me is there's a line that says, does your soul cast about like an old paper bag past empty lots and early graves? And that just gives me the willies every time. It's just such a great image. Does your soul cast about like an old paper bag past empty lots and early graves? Yes, the sinister things beneath the surface of a beautiful song. Uh, great yep. stuff. Thanks, Stacy, for being on Sound Opinions. All right, thank you for having me. Great talking to you. That was Nico Case with Deep Red Bells, a listener's pick. Are you creeped out yet? Uh, <laughs> Greg, I know you're you're shivering a bit over there. It's time uh, now for our final scary song picks. We've got one more each. What do you got? Jim, I'm going to play one of Bruce Springsteen's creepiest songs, State Trooper, from his Nebraska album, 1982. I think Nebraska stands alone in his catalog as by far the bleakest album he ever recorded. Most people think of Springsteen as kind of this uplifting guy. He finds a way to find a little kernel of hope in almost any scenario he he sings about. You know, the Born to Run album is a classic example of that. He was talking about getting out of town. There's this bleak existence that he's living, but he's going to get out somehow. In Nebraska, the entire album, a bunch of characters who are kind of at the end of their rope and can't find a way out. So he's inside the mind of this guy who's driving along, begging this state trooper not to stop him. The only thing we know about this guy is that he's got no license, no registration, and what he says is a clear conscience about the things he's done. Maybe there's some contraband in the car, some drugs, some guns. Is there a body in the trunk? You know what I think of? That scene in the Coen Brothers movie in Fargo where they're pulled over by the state trooper and suddenly things go from the tension is in the air and, and then things go horribly wrong. This is almost a setup for that scene in that movie. So It's a brief snippet of a moment in the life of this character and he's about to snap and about two minutes in you can hear this little yelp from Springsteen that becomes a roar a few seconds later and you get the sense that yes he has finally turned the corner to just completely losing his mind and going off the deep end it's Bruce Springsteen State Trooper on Sound Opinions New Jersey Turnpike Out where the great black rivers 
That is State Trooper from Bruce Springsteen on Sound Opinions, one of my scariest Halloween songs of all time. Jim, I'm actually, you... I'm scared by all of Bruce Springsteen's <laughs> output. But, uh, what do you got for our, your last choice, Jim? I'm going to go with Peter Gabriel, Greg. It, it may seem like an obvious choice, but there's a good reason. You know, Gabriel, I think, is one of the best people in the history of rock to embody foreign characters and really bring them to you in song. The third album, the one that really established him as a post-Genesis solo artist, includes the tune Intruder. It's about a burglar, I don't think he's just a burglar, who enjoys breaking into people's houses. The recurring line is, I like, you know, I like to feel the suspense when I'm certain you know I'm there. I like you lying awake, your bated breath charging the air. This guy's doing it for kicks, and who knows how far he's going, not just stealing the silverware. We think of Peter now as warm and fuzzy, world beat champion. This is back when he was playing darker characters on the third album. Also, interesting, this song was built around a little repetitive phrase that his friend and replacement in Genesis, Phil Collins, played on the drums. And the entire thing really relies on this tom-tom beat. Much of what Gabriel would do for the next 15 years came from this chance discovery in the studio, and much of what Phil Collins would do in his solo career came from this, with a big gated tom-tom sound with lots of reverb. I also love the way somebody's guitar, just a little guitar comes in twice and mimics the sound of a window breaking at one point. What an unsettling tune. The Intruder by Peter Gabriel on Sound Opinions. I know something about opening windows and doors. I know how to move quietly, creep across creaky wooden floors. 
That's The Intruder by Peter Gabriel, wrapping up our creepy song picks for this year. If you've got a creepy song to share, give us a call at 888-859-1800. Coming up, we review the debut from classic rock torchbearers Greta Van Fleet. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim Deergottis. My partner is Greg Cott, and that is a song called When the Curtain Falls, the first single, Greg, from the much-anticipated debut album by Greta Van Fleet, Anthem of the Peaceful Army. I think the best place to start with introducing this group, they've been the runaway smash of many a summer festival (laughs) over the last couple of years. They formed in the early 2010s. We're talking about three brothers, Sam, Josh, and Jake Kiska and another guy uh, come together as uh, late teens uh, in the town of Frankenmuth, Michigan, which needs to be explained for anyone outside of the Midwest. This is a uh, fake Bavarian Christmas village uh, northwest of Detroit. Greta Van Fleet uh, grows up enormously enamored of classic rock radio and begins to to uh, imitate those sounds. I think they would admit they were imitators early on on a series of EPs, independent recordings. They release themselves. They begin to get the attention of, of uh, music supervisors. Uh, there's a Detroit car ad that used one of their songs. They had another that got a lot of attention in Shameless, the TV series. Uh, And now comes their much-anticipated full-length debut on the trail of all of these successful festival appearances. This is a concept album, Mr. Cott. Mm. Uh, The themes are (laughs) hate, greed, and evil as the world self-destructs in this period of global warming. Anthem of the Peaceful Army, I suppose, are the marching songs for uh, for these times. Let's hear a song from this album, and we'll come back and we'll give our reviews. This is Greta Van Fleet with Mountain of the Sun on Sound Opinions.
That is Mountain of the Sun from Greta Van Fleet, the debut album, Anthem of the Peaceful Army. That's a mouthful. Uh, you know, it's like shooting fish in a barrel, right? I mean, everybody yeah. had set up these guys as a Led Zeppelin tribute band, but but let's look at the actual in- music Including here. Robert Plant. Yes. I mean, Plant said this is Led Zeppelin 1, which is a fairly <laughs> accurate comment. He's referring to the Led Zeppelin debut album. A bunch of callow guys from England, with the exception of, of uh, Jimmy Page, who had been around the studio, and John Paul Jones. But Bonham and Robert Plant were fairly young guys when they got to this band. Like, this is the first big-time thing we're in. And you can hear that sort of bravado and that cockiness and that, you know, the youthfulness of, of, in that record. You, and, you can hear... The Leather Pants. Yes, you can. And the way this band fetishizes the details of Led Zeppelin, it, 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 it's kind of fascinating. I mean, the quote from Immigrant Song and Age of Man. There was a drum splash in You're the One that just... I go, where have I heard that before? Oh, it's Your Time is Going to Come by the Led Zeppelin. That whole lot of love, whale and lover, lever, taker, believer. They have listened to those Led Zeppelin records and absorbed them, and they're going a couple layers deep in how they are going to re- purpose those sounds for their own purposes. Well, I, I think you're also underselling, you know, let's not forget there's like Working Man by Rush is in there. Well, too. yeah, I mean, here's here's part two of this. You've got a number of bands in rock history that have done the same thing. I mean, you can't be a hard rock band post-Zeppelin without at least referencing some Zeppelin, I would say. Uh, and I'm talking about good bands and not so good bands, but there's there's Zeppelin, a little bit of Zeppelin in everybody's played metal and hard rock since mm-hmm. then, I would argue. Uh, so you you know, let's think about Wolf Bunder. Let's think about White Snake, or maybe we shouldn't think about them too much because our head hurts. <laughs> Kingdom, Kingdom Come. Come, yeah, yes, exactly. These are the bands that have done what Greta Van Fleet has done and had momentary success doing it. Uh, <laughs> but does anybody care or remember? about them ever since. I've already forgotten Kings of Leon, another band of brothers. I mean, uh, I hate to go on about lyrics because, you know, I shouldn't be uh, calling out uh, Greta Van Fleet about lyrics because Robert Plant's lyrics weren't very good early on either. He was a young guy. He really didn't have much to sing about except, babe, I'm going to ramble. Can I I do lyrics? Because I prepared something special for you. (laughs) In the history of Sound Opinions, we are at what? Show 674. I decided I'm going to limit my review uh, to a poem that I took from the words of Greta Van Fleet itself. Can I read this yeah, for you? Yeah, Can I do a dramatic? All right, all right. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. The words you know so well, you're in and out of fashion in a Hollywood of hell. Who is the wiser to help us steer? And will we know when the end is near? Oh, sweet mama, <laughs> lay me down in my grave. The wicked shiver chills me down to my soul. Watch the castle fall. And winter takes us all. Darling, ain't that a pity to kiss the sun and fight the fire? Oh, well. It chokes to death. Within the smog, it lies. Where is the music? In the darkness, way below. <laughs> Thank you. So the other thing, Those was, are the words. Very well great. done. Thank very you. Well One done. from every song. You know what that reminds me of? And, and I was thinking of this as I was listening to parts of this album. I go, that's the Jack Black scene. Uh, in the school of rock, where he's telling the kids about the song he wrote and he never quite finished it. Yeah. Okay. It starts off a dark stage and then a beam of light, and you can see me and my guitar. Down, now, 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 in the 
end of time there was a man who knew the road and the writing was written on the stone but that's a pretty dramatic reading of that song. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that that's what this is. I, well, these were these words, I believe, were inscribed in tablets uh, held in the darkest depths of Mordor. Yeah. yeah, well, absolutely. And I think when these guys grow up, maybe we'll see something. But right now, we, we have a va- basically a Led Zeppelin tribute band. They can't escape that. Sound Opinions, as always, has been produced by Brendan Banisak, Alex Claiborne, Ionic Contreras, and Andrew Gill. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. You didn't try to call me. Why didn't you try, didn't you try, didn't you know I was lonely? No matter who I take home, I keep on calling your name. And you, I need you so bad. Cause you're the one, babe. New messages. Hello, Sound Opinions. This is Paul calling from outside Detroit. I heard your music and television show with Susan Jacobs. So uh, Susan Jacobs mentioned uh, the classics, uh, The Graduate, Midnight Cowboy, and Easy Rider for the early uh, use of music, of pop music and film. Let me add to that two other necessary films from that era, Harold and Maude with the Cat Stevens soundtrack, original at the time. Until I found the one And, while not pop music, Clockwork Orange, because no one does combine sound and vision better than Stanley Kubrick. Thanks again. My name is Dina, and I'm calling from Chicago, Illinois. I just listened to your episode about the beautiful relationship between film and music, and I wanted to comment about films that I think use music really, really incredibly. Um, the first is Juno from 2007. Tear your world apart Just pretend I didn't tear your world apart I think really details the like whimsical coming of age stories and the music is sort of like just complicated because it is sort of excited but also frustrated which is exactly how that story sort of gets told and then the second film that I think does a really great job is 500 Days of Summer I love the Smiths Sorry I said I love the Smiths. You've, you've got to some music. Like the Smiths. Yeah. To die by your side is such a heavenly way to die. I love them. The soundtrack to that film, I think, really helps depict the 
sort of struggle that the main character is going through. And I think it's just when Tom is experiencing sort of all of these emotions with the relationship that he's having with Summer in that film, it just like helps carry you through what he's going through. And all of that is helped with the soundtrack. Thanks again. Listen soon. Bye. Hi, this is Blake from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, just got done listening to your show about music on TV and film, and I think one that instantly came to my mind was the work of David Lynch. I mean, both TV in terms of like Twin Peaks, thinking about Angelo Badalamenti's really haunting stuff. I really kind of immediately went to thinking about uh, Blue Velvet, um, you know, that Bobby Vinton song in the 80s, kind of overlaying Reagan-esque America and this very happy, positive worldview that underneath is very dark. She wore blue Thanks. Bye. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.